0: Can we just start out by you telling us, who are you and what do you do? I'm Dan Diamond. I have been covering COVID in some fashion, Cleve, for two years uh, this week as the anniversary of that.
1: Oh, you have a covid (laughs) anniversary. Dan Diamond is a health policy reporter at The Washington Post, covering mostly the pandemic. He's also the guy that I look to when I'm trying to figure out how petrified to be about all of this.
0: The surge is real, and it's hitting everywhere. From the newsroom of The Washington Post,
1: this is Post Reports. I'm Cleve Woodson. It's Tuesday, January 4th. Today, everything you need to know about the Omicron surge. What's worse, what's better, and what it all says about how the pandemic might end.
0: According to The Washington Post tracker, where we look at the seven-day average of cases, of hospitalizations, of deaths the rolling average is up from about 100,000 cases per day a month ago to about 500,000 cases per day right now. And that's underselling how many people are probably infected. There are a lot of Americans who still can't get tested. There are other Americans who are taking at-home tests, testing positive, but they're not reporting their results. So this is, in terms of infections, the most significant part of the pandemic by far. There's nothing close. When it comes to hospitalizations, people who are having serious enough cases to show up in the ICU, those numbers are on the rise too. They've essentially doubled over the past month. But a lot of people who are going to the hospital for COVID care right now, they they have less severe cases, or maybe they're going for a different reason to the hospital and testing positive with COVID when they're there, just because so many people are infected right now. So it's, it's a bad, bad wave, but it's different than the previous waves.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about how it's different from the previous waves? More severe, less severe, everybody has it, or everybody has it but with fewer symptoms? Like, help us understand that.
0: It's more infectious and apparently less severe. More infectious in that if you have a vaccine, that's not enough anymore to ward off Omicron. It is mutated in such a way that it can get around a layer of protection that the vaccines confer that previously had been much more successful at warding off COVID. But the vaccines are still helping if you get infected with Omicron and you've been vaccinated and you've been boosted, or if you've been previously infected, you still have an immune response that will kick in and then fight off the infection. So it leads to lots of infections in vaccinated people And in some cases, those people might not even know they're infected because they're doing such a good job with their immune system and fighting it off. But some of them are still feeling pretty lousy. And in some cases, vaccinated people are still showing up in the hospital. When it comes to severity cleave, we also know that Omicron doesn't appear to replicate in the lungs as much as earlier variants. That's especially important because COVID has led to these cases of pneumonia, these these widespread problems, respiratory failure, people needing to be put on oxygen in hospitals. And if Omicron is leading to less need for that on an individual basis, that, that is very good. The downside is that so many people are getting infected, it somewhat cancels out the reduction in severity. If, say, 100 people at the Washington Post tested positive for Delta the more severe earlier form of COVID, and maybe 10 of those 100 people needed to go to the hospital. And now 1,000 people at the Post are testing positive for Omicron, and you know 150 people are needing to go to the hospital. It's a lower percentage, but it's still total pretty bad given where hospitals have been these past number of months. They're already badly hit. Now more patients are showing up.
1: Do we know yet what happened over the holidays? Like, I think one of the questions that we had going into the holidays was whether or not everybody was going to get together with family and friends and everybody was going to infect everybody with Omicron and we would have this sort of disaster on our hands at the beginning of the year. And I wonder if we're seeing any results or data from that uh, or or if that's yet to come in, in, you know, the ensuing weeks.
0: It's a great question. We know from past holidays there were all certainly be a surge from people traveling, from families getting together, friends gathering, people in in crowded places while traveling. At the same time, we don't know, partly because of data, the CDC for the past two weeks didn't report a lot of this data because of the holidays. So unfortunately, we're kind of working off patchwork national results in some ways. And then we also don't know because of the way COVID can incubate. So there are Some days before your Omicron symptoms become known, um, and then there are even more days before some of those people might need to end up in the hospital. There's always been this lag built in with infections, with hospitalizations, and then some weeks later, we can see a rise in deaths. Unfortunately, Omicron has moved so quickly, we're we're still playing catch-up in many ways and understanding how severe is it when it leads to hospitalization and death.
1: So we are dog park people in my house. We have a dog. We go to the dog park. And there was one day last week where everybody at the dog park was gone because we learned on our little WhatsApp group that everybody had coronavirus or was coronavirus adjacent or a spouse had coronavirus and they weren't, you know, they weren't coming out to infect other people. And I think the feeling that a lot of us had was that. We've done everything in our power. We've gotten vaxxed. We've gotten boosted. We stayed away from people for, what, 20, 22 months, almost two years. And now, is it just that Omicron is something that we're all going to get? Uh, should people feel bad if they get it now? Does it mean they haven't really followed the rules or made some mistake or something like that?
0: Well, first, Cleve, I'm right there with you. When I When I first started reporting on Omicron around Thanksgiving, when I first started talking to people in the administration about it, I I said to my wife that day, this is probably the variant that's going to get us because it can evade vaccines and it's spreading so quickly. So I've been bracing for five weeks for the prospect of, of getting infected after two years of dodging COVID. So this isn't, it's not a moral judgment. It's not, it's not a personal failing. Omicron is just that aggressive. At the same time, I I don't think it's a certainty. There are still things you can do to protect yourself. You can still wear high-quality masks. You can still cut down on on gathering indoors at this moment. I think there are going to be a lot of people that Omicron skips. And on some level, I'm I'm hoping to be one of those people. I would much rather wait a couple of months and get whatever Omicron-specific booster or, or just another booster and not have to deal with A few days that could be pretty lousy myself. But I think if it happens for a lot of us who are vaccinated and boosted, it's going to be far less severe than it could have been. And and that in some ways is the silver lining. The other silver lining is we know that once you're infected, it does increase your immunity for whatever comes next. And the combination of being vaccinated, boosted, and then having an Omicron infection, it's like having multiple layers of armor for whatever the next variant uh, the world throws at us in a couple of months.
1: I think like you, I was bracing for maybe this is the one that gets us. And then me and my wife got sick. We got sick with coronavirus, maybe a week or so before Christmas. And I don't know, there, w- there was this strong feeling of like, maybe I didn't do the right thing. Or, you know, maybe, maybe I let my guard down really? too much. Well, after, you know, I got vaxxed, I got boosted. I got boosted the day I was eligible to get boosted. And I've been in in a large sense, an opinion leader for my family, including, you know, friends and family who don't want to get boosted or vaccinated, who are worried about whatever. But there was always also this worry of like, or this question whether my guard needs to be up more, more than it was. I mean, there's a lot of time to think when you're like, you know, taking Robitussin and, you know, chilling in bed, I, I just wonder if there are other people out there that sort of feel like the same the same way. You know, maybe maybe this is just our new normal and I can never let my guard
0: down. I think the federal government often oversold what the vaccines could do. And the message from the Biden administration and their strategy very much was vaccinations will get us out of the pandemic. Now, to a large part, that's true. Uh, if If you look at any of the data, if you're vaccinated, you have significantly less risk of getting sick. If you get sick and you're vaccinated, you have significantly less risk of ending up in the hospital, and ditto for death rates. So the vaccines are, are hugely, hugely helpful. But there was data that our colleagues at The Post first reported about over the summer of all the people suffering breakthrough infections, first in, in Provincetown, Massachusetts. And the federal government worked very, very hard <laughs> to say that the media was being irresponsible by writing about these breakthrough infections when it's become increasingly clear over the past six months. Breakthrough infections are pretty common. I, I've seen data cleave from Oregon where about one-third of all infections in Oregon are in people who are vaccinated. So we we know it happened even before Omicron, and Omicron is just going to make it worse. At the same time, the vaccines are doing what they are supposed to do in that they are making COVID a significantly smaller threat. They they are priming your immune system to fight off the virus. And yes, if you're infected, you can get some of that immune protection too. But personally, I, I would prefer to have the vaccines and boosters than take my chances with being unvaccinated and then, you know, hoping that 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 the Tussin is going to fight it off.
1: What about the unvaccinated people? Like how, how worried, how freaked out should, you know, friends and family members who, some of whom I've been arguing with over the last couple of weeks, feel about this current surge?
0: Cleve, there's evidence that this variant is less severe than earlier variants, but that doesn't mean it's mild. And if you're unvaccinated and you don't have a previous infection, you don't have that immune response that built up because you were already sick with COVID, you could have a pretty bad case of, of this virus. One challenge with coronavirus is that it spreads all over the body. It can get into the lungs. It can get into the brain. It can cause real heart problems. And that's why it's it's challenged us in ways that have been so unexpected and led to things like people suffering COVID-related amputations because of blood clots. This is a serious disease. This is not the flu. And if you're unvaccinated and don't have the protection to ward it off, it's hard to say how bad a case could be. Though we certainly know that that people who are younger do better with COVID than people who are older and might have more vulnerabilities, more comorbidities that COVID exacerbates.
1: One other question or another question that I wanted to delve into is about hospitals. I've heard the rumors and the thoughts about nursing shortages, about doctor shortages, about staffing shortages, about not just whether they're going to be overwhelmed with COVID patients, but also whether you're going to be able to go if you get anything, if you break a leg or sprain an ankle or something like that. Where are we on that front?
0: This isn't a rumor, this is true. Hospitals are dealing with shortages across the country. There are some states where more than 40% of hospitals are reporting critical staffing shortages. So, it is it is a real problem. I have been collecting some of those anecdotal reports of people whose surgeries have been pushed off, of procedures that have been canceled, of transplants that have been called off because The patient showed up to get a transplant and that person may have had an Omicron infection, so didn't get the liver or went to somebody else. This is really shaking up the nation's healthcare system. And while those of us who are, are working out of our homes might not realize it, Americans who are working out of hospitals and health centers are feeling it for real every day of this Omicron surge.
1: After the break, we'll talk about the CDC's shifting guidance and why so many people seem to have trouble taking it seriously. We'll be right back.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast.
1: So after the CDC recommended reducing the amount of time someone isolates after being infected with coronavirus or being in contact with it, Everybody began memeing the, C- the CDC, basically saying the CDC doesn't know what it's talking about. My favorite one of these is uh, the CDC now recommends eating straight off the floor at Waffle House <laughs> I'm from the South. That one just that one just got me. But I wonder if it speaks to a larger question of whether people have eroded trust in the CDC, whether they believe that the federal government, you know, is good at telling them how to beat this thing.
0: On one level, I actually kind of liked that people were memeing the CDC because it's sort of better than the alternative, right? Like you could see a public health agency putting out guidance and nobody pays attention. When folks are are making jokes about politicians or whatever, at least it's in the cultural zeitgeist, at least they know something happened. So I'm 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 choosing to hang on to that sliver of of uh, the good part of of the CDC being busted on. At the same time, I do think the CDC has really muddled the message on. COVID protections over the past year, whether it was encouraging Americans to stop wearing masks in the spring, a decision that caught the White House by surprise. You may have even worked on some of those stories, how the Biden administration didn't didn't know CDC was going to do that. And then a few months later, having to encourage Americans to put masks back on uh, because of the, the risk of breakthrough infection. So I think the CDC has not done a great job of priming Americans for when these Changes are announced. In this case, the evidence was mounting pretty quickly, whether it was at your local dog park, whether it was at hospitals, at, at schools. So many people have tested positive that to just keep society functioning, you might need to shorten how long, people are staying away from their jobs. And that's what CDC was responding to. And and drawing on some science, but also drawing on economic arguments and uh, real-world data for making the case for bringing people back to work faster.
1: Do you think that guidance was sound? I, I remember and wrote a little bit about you know some of the arguments that the CDC should be responding to just the science, not the economics, not whether or not we have enough nurses, but just you know, what is the data telling us? And I wonder how you feel about that decision. But also, if there's this overwhelming feeling that the CDC is responding to outside pressure, Biden promised that he would stick to the science in making in policy. But it seems like this this decision does seem to be influenced by those outside
0: factors, so Biden inherited a public health apparatus that had been, pretty beat up by the Trump administration. It was no secret. (laughs) Donald Trump and his deputies talked often about the deep state at CDC and FDA trying to undermine the last administration. So this administration said, okay, we are going to be hands-off with these agencies. And at times, I think, Cleve, they've they've regretted that. Uh, CDC has surprised the White House because the White House is so hands-off. It doesn't know what CDC is going to do at times. And, And the White House may have had different ideas about rolling back masks. or changing these rules. That said, CDC has always been charged with thinking about real-world data and economic data. That's not something new. FDA is supposed to be the, the science part of the equation. They're looking at, is this vaccine safe or not for Americans to use? CDC is then figuring out, okay, how do we make this medical practice real? Who should get it? What should the rules around it be? And they have always, in all of their guidelines, been charged with listening to not just the scientists, but the folks making the economic case too.
1: I wonder if the the data that's coming out about Omicron tells us anything about the end game of this pandemic, or says anything about how this pandemic becomes endemic, I know that there are things going around that says, okay, well, this is this is sort of how it it goes from being this this big disruptive force in our lives to being something that sort of society manages, you know, for the rest of eternity or whatever. And I wonder if if is that what Omicron is, something that we all get? But is it something that races through the population that doesn't do as much damage as its predecessors and that sort of shifts us out of this pandemic into something less severe?
0: I'm going to make a a guarantee. COVID was not the first coronavirus to infect you. You have been infected by other coronaviruses that have circulated around the world and and manifested as common colds throughout your life. So that's, that's the precedent and hope here. There are coronaviruses that exist. They may have been pandemics of their own a thousand years ago, but humanity evolved the immunity to deal with them. Perhaps that will happen. Hopefully that will happen with COVID-19 too. Um, Omicron is racing around the world, is causing major disruption. But the hope is all of the people who are suffering these infections, in some cases not even knowing that they're infected because the symptoms are so mild, they are walking away with more armor against whatever variant is going to come down the pike next. And that's one reason to cleave. We we have seen people who were infected in previous waves do better against Omicron just because they now have immunity built in to their systems. COVID-19 could well go that way. Omicron, to me, is the 2020 pandemic on fast forward. At the beginning of that pandemic, we saw cases in Seattle, Washington. We saw them in New York City. But it took months for COVID to show up in the middle of the country or in the South, right now we're seeing omicron show up everywhere it's it's moved so much faster but the beauty of being on fast forward cleave is you get to the end faster so the hope would be that the spikes that we are seeing if you and i were to get back on a podcast in a month that we will be very much through the worst of it we also can hope that there will be more treatments available in the coming weeks there's an antiviral from pfizer That's particularly promising That is starting to roll out around the country. And if you give it to people who are infected relatively early in their course of care, it can really cut down the risk of hospitalization. So there are more ways to fight the pandemic in 2022 than there were in 2020, no doubt. The challenge is making sure that we have enough healthcare workers who can deliver those treatments, who can help fight the pandemic and aren't fighting infections themselves.
1: Thanks so much, Dan. I really uh, appreciate you joining me today.
0: Cleve, thanks for having me. And and I hope uh, all of us can look back on this Omicron wave as a tough time, but a time that passed pretty fast. Dan Diamond is a
1: health policy reporter for The Post. Ariel Plotnick produced this story, and it was edited by Maggie Penman. Rena Flores mixed the show. And that's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow, we'll talk about infighting on the pro-Trump internet and the battle over QAnon's future. I'm Cleve Wootson. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.